0: Hayward broke his leg. Hayward has broken his leg. I mean, Lynn is down, and he's been, yeah, he's not getting up.
1: We obviously had an incident in practice yesterday. Uh, physical altercation between uh, Bobby Porter and Nikola Miritich. Uh, it was great to see everyone come out there, contribute that second unit did their job tonight. But once the ball went up, you know, kind of back to the regular schedule program. Now, ball puts a move on
2: Beverly. There's ball with the runner. And a foul from behind Brooks against Drew Holiday. Turn, gun, got
3: it! Let, that play a little bit. let it breathe. Let it breathe. Good song. Good song in the background there. A little montage from everything from the ups, the really down, downs, and then ups of opening week. Show. Before we even get into it, we got to shout out the Canadian Dylan Brooks. Had a huge opening game and put his name on the map when it comes to five. Canadian content, setting some history as his debut, finishing with 19 points, highest by a Canadian in the NBA in their opener. So shout out to Dylan Brooks doing his thing he, in the West. A, he's a
2: good player, and his maturity goes beyond his, his years. He's and. Uh, th- He's ready for this. He's in a great situation yeah. in Memphis. They're thin on the wing, so he's going to get a chance to play right away, and he's got what it takes to take advantage of this opportunity.
3: You go back to opening night.
2: Oh, do we have I, to? I
3: know. My my leg is starting to, to no, throb from No, even it. listening to that, Hayward
2: is broken his leg. That gives me chills. Yeah.
3: That gives me chills. When
2: I'm on
1: Instagram and I'm seeing highlights, I skip quickly past it. So I don't know if it's going to be. It's going to be that one or injury. not? Yeah. yeah, I just don't want to. see I that.
2: actually didn't see it, so I was I was watching with a few friends of mine. Have you uh, seen it since? No, no. So no. I, I was watching the game with a few friends of mine, and I was in the other room uh, when the play happened. And all I could hear was the gasps right. from the two two guys that I was watching the game with. I, I rushed back into the room and obviously saw the reaction on the TV from all the players, and they, I mean, the reaction said it all. They did show on the on the they did show a replay, but, they it, was from, but it was from a far, a far angle. Waited, yeah. They waited a while to do it, yes. Right.
3: They waited a while to do it, and then also, too, because um, those games were on TNT. Ernie and the guys and the production staff took their time to decide between that game and the Warriors-Rockets game if they were going to show the replay, and they showed it once. And it was, again, from that far angle yeah. so that you wouldn't get that full dramatic impact right. of it. But honestly, Josh... If you haven't seen it, and no, I'm, I one, won't. I I'm, won't. I'm one of those weird people that I, although my heart goes out to Hayward, and then we'll get into Jeremy Lin as well too, my heart goes out to him. You never want to see an injury like that. On the other end, though, I'm also fascinated at the, at, at the way the body can, just the You're way the body, dark I'm, person. I'm, I, I know, I, <laughs> I can admit that. I, I, I'm, I haven't I, seen I'm Paul George's
1: break paul george's i haven't seen that i saw paul george's yeah
3: i've i've watched it a few times and i've heard on different (laughs) no no no. i've i've just to see because you hear on you've seen on twitter you hear it on shows everybody is saying that lebron did it and when you watch it back no did LeBron brush him? Yes. But not maliciously, not on purpose. It was a basketball move. He made a basketball play defensively that he's done a million times. Hayward made a cut he's done a million times. First of all, that lob should have never been thrown because you don't throw a lob that high for a guy like Gordon Hayward. Gordon's got, he's got ups, he's got bunnies, but not, not that kind of lob. And he simply just landed on his toes, and his body just did not go the way it wanted to go. It went the opposite, and it was just an unfortunate turn of events. LeBron did not do it on purpose.
1: Well said. Let's talk about something different.
2: (laughs) There there are basketball implications here without question in in that. That
3: changes the Eastern Conference. It was
2: always going to take Boston some time to figure things out, Uh, obviously work in their new players and and this new system having lost now their best – two, if not two, of their best uh, players uh, defensively in, mm-hmm. in uh, Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder. Yep. That said, the, the one thing that they had going for them is they had a ton of talent. Yes. And that's what wins in the NBA. They're still a talented team. They're still going to be good, but they've got less talent. Uh, so what of the Celtics now is, is the question. Uh, their outlook isn't as... Uh, optimistic as it was going into the season, they take a step backwards and a week, oh, an already weak Eastern Conference right. becomes even more wide open. So absolutely this, uh, opens the door for the Raptors to potentially steal back the Atlantic Division. It opens the door for the Wizards, I think, who've looked good to start the season. Um, uh, Milwaukee is going to be in the there. I think the
1: Celtics are a top three team in the East though, even without, without Gordon Hayward. No?
2: I think they might fall to four.
1: I, I, I like Washington,
2: especially, I, I mean, I but said this going depth, into the season they have, where don't the they don't have the depth. So
1: that's, that's my concern with Washington. Their, their, their starting lineup is fantastic. but Yeah,
2: and, they and they've got a couple of, of all-star guards who oh, have sure. been prone to injury in the past. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the room for error without much depth is pretty small. We're seeing that, that this season with the Raptors as well as as good as their second unit was. When you don't have, when you're relying yep. on young guys coming off the bench, uh, all of a sudden that, that, Room for yep. error does become smaller. But, uh, I mean, the the Cavs, they're working in new guys. They're going to mm-hmm. be missing Isaiah Thomas for a, a chunk Rose of now. the season. he, he, looks, and he looks good Absolutely. until
3: last night. Boston's yeah. got
2: their, their issues to deal with now. The Raptors have a very tough schedule early on. So I do wonder if Washington is the team that yeah. sort of runs away with things early on.
1: Jeremy Lynn's injury, um, it's not so much about the injury but his reaction. I mean, as soon as he... He got hurt his knee He'd he was like, at "I'm it. done, I'm done, like saying "I'm done," and then this sense of emotion came over his face where you really like where he knew his season was over, yeah, and I think that's a tough thing between Hayward and Lynn where it's the first game of the season, and the season's done, and I right. think that's kind of really frustrating, which kind of sucks for what's
2: happened but I wonder how much of it has to do with the timing of the year. I mean, these guys are in great shape, good yeah. conditioning in the sense that it's not like the NBA used to be back decades ago when guys would just sit on the beach and and eat Cheetos or whatever yeah. all all summer and then tides. come to training Shake camp to in, get in shape. To get in shape. Now everyone's in shape, but there's a difference between being in shape and being in game shape. Mm-hmm. That takes some time, so I wonder if the body sort of getting used to being out there again makes I mean these are obviously fluke injuries Gordon Haywards was yeah. a fluke injury but as we've seen even with like ankle things in the past is um when your your body isn't in game shape you're more prone to maybe some fluke things happening here or there but I mean it it's a terrible thing obviously um Jeremy Lin and, and that situation, he's a guy that I, I've been impressed over the years. Obviously, that Lin sanity phenomenon was not sustainable, but he's turned himself into a very good NBA pro. Uh, he's dealt with some injuries in the past, too, and while this year certainly isn't going to be a, a winning year, a successful year for the Nets, uh, it, it could have been yeah. for Lin. So that that's a shame.
3: I want to ask you guys a question with regards to the Celtics. And this change. Who won the trade based on the way Kyrie has played so far? I know we haven't seen Isaiah Thomas. That I get it. But based on what you know of them as players, in my opinion so far, it's still early. Kyrie's not holding up his end of the bargain.
1: I think it's too early to evaluate based on, like you said, Isaiah yeah. played. And also this draft pick, whether yeah. they trade it or keep it, who does that turn into? I think Kyrie is still a top easily a top 10 player in this league so I think you know what you're gonna get out of him but Isaiah Thomas what is he's gonna to bring to this this Cleveland ball club this draft pick and to be Jay Crowder so I think it's I don't I think it's too early to call
3: I, I ask because when you look at like you know what you're gonna get from Kyrie we know he's going to take an, an ample amount of shots but like Philly fans Boston fans don't like they don't they don't hold their feelings in. And if it continues this way, if he goes, you know, 7 for 17 again or having poor shooting nights the way he's had, and then also, too, is getting completely blown by on the defensive end, the Boston fans are not going to let this go for an entire season. I,
2: I don't think we do know what, what they're going to get from Kyrie Irving. That's what makes this so interesting. That's what makes this trade so interesting and did uh, when, it, when it happened to me is that if this is going to test Kyrie in a way yep. that we haven't seen. Uh, they... uh it, he wasn't able to carry them when LeBron James was out of the game, as a superstar would, when LeBron would go to the bench or when LeBron would be rested. He certainly didn't carry the Cavs the way a superstar would before LeBron got there. Granted, Kyrie was still young at that point. So the, the trade that Boston made was for a, super, a superstar, Kyrie is a great player. He is an all-star. My question is whether or not he's actually a superstar. And that's something we're not going to know in, uh, through two games, three games, or even in a few months from now. This might take years before we see really what kind of player Kyrie turns into, whether or not he can be the player that he thinks he is by making such a bold move as to ask out of a team that, that was set up to make the, the finals for Years to come if LeBron sticks around. He wanted to be the guy. Now the question is, can he be the guy? If the answer is yes, then as much as Boston did give up for him, I think it'll be worth it because that's why you accumulate assets if you're a team like Boston, is to go out and get that superstar. If he doesn't turn out to be a superstar, then absolutely. I think they look back and think, well... We might have given up too much, especially if that pick turns out to be somebody good.
1: I think Kyrie can be a superstar. I think the key is, like you said, he wants to have his own team. He wants to be the man. He wants to lead the team. And if he doesn't turn to that player, you're right. That's yep. where the question comes
2: in. Well, that isn't that a superstar, a guy that can make uh, other players I, better?
1: I, I, I think it's talent. I think it's a superstar. But I mean, I don't. We're we're saying the same thing.
2: Is he, Damian Lillard a superstar?
1: Uh, he's an elite player. I don't know if he's a superstar
2: because that's that's the tier yeah. that I would put Kyrie in right now.
1: An elite player. Dep-
2: yeah,
1: just below superstar Just, just below
2: superstar, uh, a guy who, I mean, obviously is a, a supremely talented offensive player, one of the most gifted scorers in the NBA, and I'm referring to both right now, I uh, uh, Kyrie and Damian Lill- right. Lillard, two guys that aren't great defensively, and two guys that have a questionable impact in terms of how they're able to make other guys better. In that
1: vein, is John Wall a superstar?
2: Mm, no. Huh? I, that's a, It's a very yeah. short list for yeah. me in the NBA. And, and right now we're sort of in a transitional phase where there are some young guys in the NBA that are sort of developing. Into, like, is Giannis a superstar? I'm not, not sure yet. that he is not right yet. now, but he is definitely headed yeah. on that path. And be it if he stays healthy, is headed down that path. Yep. Carl Anthony Towns. But I still question whether or not those other guys that are a little bit older that we've seen more right. from, Kyrie and Lillard. And John Wall, maybe i probably put John Wall in a, a tier maybe above, slightly yeah. above them just because he is better defensively and does uh, bring out, the best in his teammates in a way that Kyrie hasn't, but yeah, I mean the list of superstars in the NBA right now yeah. is 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 a small one, and that's the way that it should be i don't like you, you,
1: everyone getting this tag yeah, yeah.
2: getting hyperbolic and right. throwing that term around at, at everybody I mean superstar we, we got to be yeah. a little bit no, more right. selective with the way we use it
1: Kyrie isn't there yet, but if he does turn to that guy for Boston, yeah, it's worth it.
3: The Boston Celtics swung for the fences. It depends if that ball is out or if it's going to be an in-the-park kind of thing. We continue on here at 2.30, play-by-play play for NBC Philly. And the 76ers, Mark Zumoff, will join us. Keep it locked right here on home court.
0: And the Raptor bench shocked by a non-call. Miles! Oh! C.J. Miles shooting the three at a high rate. And Jack Armstrong's loving every minute.
3: That call from the opener is Matt Devlin likes to call him CJ Kilometers. He's, he's get he's getting those shots up at a high clip. Yeah, get used a to that. A very high clip.
2: He's not shy. I, I tweeted CJ, not Chiles. Ah, what I think I like that
1: better than um CJ Klamers. Kilometers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like CJ anyway. You put him out there.
3: Yeah, is, if he keeps going six for nine, I'm I'm, I'm I like it. Either no, one. I wouldn't <laughs> expect that. As I've
2: been saying, I mean with Miles, like with any shooter in the NBA certainly a notes. high volume shooter yes there are going to be peaks and valleys nights where he just doesn't have it uh he's a streaky shooter like a lot of those guys are but what makes miles such a dangerous weapon and somebody quite frankly that the raptors haven't had the, the type of weapon the raptors haven't had in years is that he's proven throughout his career especially over the last few years that he's such a threat from back there that defenses have to respect that whether you're hitting them or not. So even the nights where he's not shooting six for nine, uh, there's going to be at least one player on the defense that is locked in and focused on him. That's one less guy that they can throw at, uh, the Lowry and DeRozan types. So uh, I, I think if you're Lowry, if you're DeRozan, if you're Valanchunas, if you're any of these other Raptors players, you are, uh, thrilled at the idea right. of playing with rather than against a guy like cj miles he's going to make their lives a lot easier create opportunities and for them
3: he, he's been known as the raptors one of the many raptors killers that's a him.
1: long list megan yeah, looking, I know. <laughs> looking at the second unit though you have guys like Delonerate, Fred for Lee who can penetrate and create and find others so it, it's like you have to be wary of the fact that these guys can get in there but also find them in the wing mm-hmm. so um that's what makes the second unit so good i think in terms of the, the ability to penetrate create and dish.
2: Now, are you excited about the fact that there are, there is no Joel Embiid for the Sixers tonight? Do you look at it as, as no. from the Raptors perspective and say, okay, well, this could be an easier win now? Or are you looking at this from the fan perspective and thinking, okay, well, finally, in Toronto, this was, it looked like a chance to see Joel Embiid, something that has never happened in Embiid's three-year NBA <laughs> career. Right. And, and now we miss out on the chance to see one of the bright young talents in the NBA.
3: Well, I, It's almost from both perspectives because, as like all the the fans that will come in tonight, they will be disappointed that they don't get to see the man who is embodied the process. I'm disappointed, and I'm I'm disappointed. Forget the paying customers. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed though from a basketball standpoint because. Really, if he, if this is what's gonna happen with Joel Embiid, I understand he's got his injuries. Like that, that is completely understandable. I get that they have to slowly get him in, but how are you gonna know if he can play on back to backs if you don't play him on back to backs? If you're gonna play, like, play him on limited minutes on back to backs, but you have to let him play. In order to know if his body can handle the grind, too much
1: money. Well, to I know, run the risk. That's, I, that's their own
3: fault. But you, how but how, <laughs> how can you get the risk? But this <laughs> well, is the thing: you don't know all. the no, re- no, you don't know if you'll get the reward from that risk if you don't let the risk play the I game. Think, I think
1: it's too soon in the season for them to try and really push like that. I think they got to see how it works out. And I said, yeah, you know, I mean, I I'd love to see him, but I also like even from our standpoint is like evaluating the Raptors team, seeing them facing better competition to see how they match, match up, and he yeah. would definitely make a difference there. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough when it's another team and it's their asset. And you know, we talk about the money he got, and how many players have played more games than he has in this short time. So my they have to be pointing it out. <laughs> they have to be cautious.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm excited either way. As you mentioned, uh, they set the bar nice and low. The schedule makers (laughs) did by giving the Raptors what's left of the Chicago Bulls in game one. Even without NB, this is going to be a tougher test for the Raptors tonight. Of course, the Sixers with the NBA's last two first overall picks still in the lineup tonight. Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons, who became... One of five NBA players to ever score at least 11 points, grab at least 11 rebounds, and record at least five assists in his first two NBA games. We talked about him earlier. What a nightmare matchup he is, a point guard in a center's body. This is a Sixers team that is trending up. They are the anti-Bulls, right? It's the opposite scenario. The Bulls are a team that had dominated the Raptors Four years winning, what was it, 11 of 12 yep. meetings going into Thursday, but of course they're a very different looking Bulls team trending down. And then this is a team in the Sixers that the Raptors have dominated, winning 15 of the last 16 meeting meetings coming in, but they're of course a very different looking Sixers team. So this is going to be interesting.
1: And a good offseason addition that kind of gets overlooked is JJ Redick. I mean, not yep. overlooked in the money because he got paid handsomely, I think $23 mm-hmm. million for one year, uh, but his ability to space out the forum, much like C.J. Miles does. And also is a veteran guy who's been around and kind of evolved his game through his career. So I think he's going to help this team. I mean, we talk about the playoffs and the fringes. It's not because they're going to catapult them to the elite, but I think adding a guy like that to these young players who can create I think is going to be
2: uh, I mean, that's huge, and that's something we, we saw with Minnesota a few years ago. If you're going to be bringing up a young team impressionable guys that are coming into the league that they don't they don't know how to be professionals they don't know yeah. how to win right. you need players like jj reddick you need players like amir johnson yeah former raptor he, i'm not sure how much he has left on the court he hasn't looked great in the first two games he fouled out in 15 minutes in the opener didn't score uh, last night against boston but off the court uh, amir is a, yep. a great teammate he's a guy that's going to help these young players learn how to play uh, so, I, I, I mean, I like that. There's another comparison here to the T-Wolves, and I made it earlier uh, in the conversation with Jack, and and this is why I think we might be getting ahead of ourselves when projecting what the the Sixers might do this year. I look at Minnesota last year, a similarly yep. young and intriguing team, and certainly you could see those signs of Minnesota breaking through last year. But what happened was... They would fall apart in the second Mm -hmm. half of games, especially in the fourth quarter. They would have trouble executing, blow big leads. I have the numbers right here, and they are uh, mind-blowing. The T-Wolves last year in the first half, plus 162. They were the sixth-best first-half team in the NBA last year. They were a minus 244 in the second half, 27th in the NBA. And you look at the Sixers in the first two games this year, plus seven in the first half minus 22 in the second half. So, I mean, that's the the circle of life, right, yeah. in the NBA. I mean, certainly Sixers fans have a lot more to be excited about this year than they have in years past. They've got a bright future, but it's not going to happen overnight. They might make the playoffs, if for no other reason than the East is terrible, especially yeah. that bottom half. Of the East, but I think we're still a year or two away before the Sixers team really reaches their lofty potential. It's just exciting.
1: They have a ton of young assets. You mentioned obviously the two number one picks in Fulton Simmons, uh, Joel Embiid, Dara Sarge was a runner up for rookie of the year last year. Yep. Um, so there's a ton of young talent, and the upside is limitless in that regard. So. I really like
2: Robert Covington too yeah, as a defensive player. Exactly. DeMar DeRozan does play a uh, questionable with flu like symptoms tonight. Uh, Covington could. Make his his night pretty pretty long yeah. as well.
3: Should be interesting. We'll have that game. Tip off is set for 7:30 right here on TSN 1050. Pre-game is gauged for around the seven o'clock hour. Once the Argos and the Blue Bombers finish up, you can catch that coverage from BMO Field starting at 3:30 right here on TSN 1050. Coming up next, NBC Philly play-by-play voice of the 76ers, Mark Zumoff will join us right here on TSN 1050's home court. Welcome back inside the Air Canada Center, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lewenberg, Megan McPeak. As we continue on here with home court, joining us now on the line is NBC Philly play-by-play voice of the 76ers, Mark Zumoff. Mark, thank you so much for taking some time this afternoon ahead of tonight's game here on home court. I want to jump right into tonight's matchup. We know that there is no Joel Embiid. Let me get your thoughts on you know the fact that they're not going to play him in back-to-backs when we know the injuries we know his experience with the injuries and is there a way that they can play him on back-to-backs to try and see how his body responds to the injuries and if he can actually do this for an 82 game season
0: I'll go back to Joel and what he said last night before the game it was his thought that eventually he'll have the opportunity at some point we don't know when he doesn't know when but at some point during this season he will play in a back-to-back situation Right now, there is a team of medical personnel, and they are not only monitoring him on a game-by-game basis, but literally on a minute-by-minute basis. You have some of those medical people right behind the bench, and Brett Brown during the game is literally in conversation with them saying, okay, you know, how has he done so far? Uh, they measure something called load that determines how many minutes he might play that night and then Brett is able to dole out minutes accordingly. He's averaging 27 and a half minutes, which actually isn't too bad. It's a lot more than what we thought before the season would start, but we had to leave him behind, and we hope that he'll join us in Detroit, and that's our next game after tonight. It'll be Monday.
2: Mark, Mark, going into this season, what's the temperature of the fan base there? Obviously, it's been a tough few years, uh, an emotional roller coaster with some of these young guys going down and, and uh, losses piling up as the Sixers have rebuilt. But uh, there's no question which direction they're trending in now, how uh, much excitement there is around the NBA about this young team. Are, are the fans... Um, fans lining up with with that sort of excitement as well or is there still sort of a wait-and-see mentality uh going on
0: well they are waiting to see they're waiting on a season ticket waiting list that's how big the reaction has been uh the Sixers have sold more season tickets than they ever have in their history uh they project sellouts for every single game uh last night was like a playoff atmosphere unfortunately they were greatly disappointed at a 10-point loss but there is a lot of pent up excitement uh, as you clearly stated the last 4 years uh the team uh, while trying to rebuild uh, did not perform well at all so now we have a lot of pieces in place Joel Embiid it's projected he'll play a lot more than the 31 games Ben Simmons after having sat out a year uh, getting the top pick in the draft to Markel Fultz um so the pieces are there and now You know, unlike Toronto, where uh, they've had a core group playing together for a number of years, we need to get that experience. Uh, Even some of our veterans, uh, J.J. Redick is new, uh, Jared Bayless uh, only played three games last year because of wrist surgery. So we have a lot of good pieces, and now we just need time to meld everything together.
1: Mark, you mentioned last year's number one pick, Marco Fultz, obviously, um, is this shoulder injury something you're concerned about? Are people reacting, or is it, is it mental with him, and how has it affected the shooting form?
0: You know, that, that's kind of a cloudy situation. Uh, it, in hearing Brett Brown last night, he seemed to indicate that the shoulder was not that much of a problem. You would think if it was, he wouldn't be playing. He's played in the first two regular season games. Um, apparently, it caused some sort of an adjustment in the way he shoots free throws, sort of an odd-looking hitch. Uh, last night he went to the line, shot a couple of free throws. There was real buzz in the crowd in anticipation of what the shot would look like. And it actually looked pretty smooth, and he, and he made both shots. So um, I, I don't think the shoulder isn't too much of an issue. It's certainly uh, one of the issues that I want to address tonight with Markel, though, before the game. But I, I don't think it's that much of an issue. And it seems to be getting better with each and every game.
2: Going back to those veterans you talked about, uh, obviously, J.J. Redick and a couple former Raptors in Jared Bayless and Amir Johnson. How have they fit in so far, and how much has their veteran presence sort of helped bring some of these young guys along early in the year?
0: You need, certainly, with a young core group, and you have to remember, again, Fultz, just a reminder, the rookie, Simmons, the rookie, Embiid, uh, very little experience, and Dario Schar, it's only in his second year. So you need some adults in the locker room. Uh, both Jared and Amir are or have been great. Uh, Bayless certainly on the floor couldn't do much last year. I left wrist surgery only played three games and has really shot the lights out through the first three. And Amir Johnson, even though he won't, uh, contribute a lot statistically, not only a good defensive player will throw his body around and set some screens, but just a wonderful, very positive presence in the locker room. So, um, I, I think you need guys like that. JJ Reddick, as much as he's going to, contribute with his terrific three-point shooting is another voice like that. So it's a good combination. But, again, uh, they have to try to achieve some kind of chemistry, and, and that, unfortunately, is going to take some time.
1: Mark, we've talked about the the young guys. We've talked about the vets. There's a guy who's kind of in the middle area, uh, Toronto, GTA, King Nick Stavis, because where do you fit him with the 76ers in terms of this season and moving forward, you thinking?
0: Yeah, uh, unfortunately right now he's not. Uh, with the uh, good health of Bayless, with the acquisition of Redick, uh, and the drafting of Markel Fultz, Nick, unfortunately for him, has uh, has sunk to fifth guard status, uh, and I feel bad for Nick because I think he really worked hard uh, two off-seasons ago, got himself in great shape, uh, came to camp ready to, to make some dramatic improvements, and I think that he made some incremental improvements in uh, a number of categories, both. Um, you know, with the ball and on the other side of the ball as well. But he's a he's a terrific guy. He's certainly a quality NBA player. He's very young. I s- certainly think he's got a, a viable NBA career ahead of him. Though right now, in our current situation, there have been no minutes for him, at least in the first two games. As to whether or not Brett Brown gives him some minutes in front of the home folk tonight, we'll see.
2: Mark, as we said, I I mean, this is a team that's obviously trending upwards, but as we know, and certainly what we saw from the Timberwolves, a similarly young and exciting team last year, is it doesn't happen overnight. There's, I hate to use the word, but a a process. Uh, So... My question is, what are the expectations internally for the team this season as they try and get that chemistry together, figure things out, presuming good health, and what are the expectations amongst the fan base for how this team will fare, even in a weekend Eastern Conference this year?
0: That's a really good question, and I think uh, there are all kinds of answers to give. Um, You could uh, look at the folks in Vegas, who I think have uh, rated the Sixers close to a 500 team. Um, and, and again, I think a lot of what they take is on paper. I know that, organizationally speaking, the playoffs are a goal, and if the Sixers can play close to 500 ball in a week in Eastern Conference, um, you would think that they could do that. Certainly, through the first two games, you start to wonder, and it's a small sampling, no doubt, but you start to wonder, um, can the team come together and play that well? Uh, you know, Again, we're going to have to see, but Um, It could be anything from 30 games to to 42 wins, depending on on how the chips fall and and how quickly this team is able to develop.
1: Mark, Joel Embiid, for all the stuff that as people who follow the game and are fans love, his personality and his social media presence, um, does that kind of become a distraction at some point? Or is it still kind of like the energy is welcomed with how he is and just Joel being Joel?
0: I think that our fan base and to some degree our players feed off of that. He's clearly become the leader of our team um, on the floor, certainly is our best player and, and spiritually. He is the guy who sets the tone for us. And quite frankly, um, I think you could point to a watershed last year when the team started to uh, perform well in the month of January. The Sixers went 10-5. and five. And at one point, I think the Sixers may have been five or six games out of a playoff spot, and nobody really expected them to make any kind of a run. And Joel Embiid mentioned the word playoffs. And I think, quite frankly, you need guys in your locker room, especially uh, guys who are going to be leaders, to uh, to do things like that, to set the bar up and and let people know, let the teammates know that that's expected of them. Um, in terms of the the Twitter game, listen... I find it wildly entertaining. Uh, he's no Josh Lewenberg when it comes to the Twitter game, but I think that... Oh, <laughs> uh, you're
2: too kind, Mark.
0: I, I, I still think that he's, that, he's, that he's pretty good on, uh, on whether, it's, whether it's Twitter or whether it's Instagram.
3: Mark, quickly before we let you go, your thoughts on Ben Simmons and how he can match up against this Raptors, both on offense and defense, because, it, I mean, Josh has mentioned it throughout the show, and Dwayne and I have also sort of touched on it and talked about it. He kind of plays like a one through five and can really, you know, he's a center. He's a guard in the center's body, but can really play that point guard role. Where do you see him fitting defensively against this Raptors squad tonight?
0: Well, I'll tell you, I, I think that Ben has the athletic ability to guard, as you mentioned, one through five, almost anyone. I think he is that good. I quite frankly think the challenge on a nightly basis is for the other team to match up with him. Um, frequently that becomes the other team's small forward, in this case because you've been starting Norman Powell. At that position, I would guess that DeMar DeRozan would be the guy who would match up with him. But uh, no matter who it is, um, nobody, I don't think, can deal with Ben uh, as it relates to his height um, unless you, you, you stick a power forward on him, and that's highly unlikely considering his mobility. So oftentimes what you'll see Ben do, and and some of this has to do with the fact that he's not as proficient from the outside as we would like yet, um, is to take the ball to the hole or or do post-up. He's got a half hook in the lane that he'll use off the drive or the post-up as well. But, again, I, I think the challenge is more for the other guy to try to match up with him, and it'll be interesting to see what Dwayne Casey does tonight.
3: Mark, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking some time. You got
2: it, guys. Thanks, Mark.
3: Once again, NBC Philly play-by-play voice of the 76ers, Mark Zumoff, joining us. When we return here on home court, the guys and I will talk a little good, bad, and really ugly of the first week of the NBA season. Keep it locked right here on home court. Air ball! Air ball!
2: ball! is by himself. He blows the layup. That's
0: got to hurt. Jordan. Comes up with an air
1: time. Hey, it is about time. I mean, I just couldn't get the ball in the hole. I wanted to, but I just couldn't do it.
0: Payton's free throw was a little bit short. The direction was perfect. The distance was off by about a foot.
3: Welcome I'm back gonna... inside the Air Canada Center. Megan McPeak, Dwayne Watson, Josh Lewenberg, in- you know, as fun as the NBA is to watch and as exciting as it is and, you know, sometimes some bad things can happen to some people and...
2: And we, that's, we, and that's what Twitter is for. That That
3: is exactly what Twitter is for and we heard some, uh, some of the sound there and the one we want to talk on, which we haven't really touched on when it comes to the NBA on him and haven't mentioned his name and his dad's name and... Stephen A. Smith's name, because somehow they all the three of them always get mentioned together. And that is the Los Angeles Lakers' number two overall draft pick this past draft in Lonzo Ball, who had a very tough outing against the Los Angeles Clippers. The Lakers were the home team for that Battle of L.A., finishing that game and his debut in the NBA in the regular season. Three points, nine rebounds, four assists, because he was guarded by none other than then the bulldog in Patrick Beverly. Yeah, he he's not the first guy to have trouble
2: with Beverly and he won't be the last Beverly one of the best defensive players at the toughest position to guard in the NBA, the point guard spot. We've seen him and Kyle Lowry, a couple of Bulldogs go through battles, uh, over the last few years. There was one, a couple of games, I guess, against the Clippers in preseason when, uh, Beverly gave DeLon Wright a rude welcome to the rotation and that backup role that DeLon will be playing this year. And uh, DeLon, we talked about JV's newfound confidence earlier on the show. DeLon was showing some of that confidence off yesterday in practice too. We asked him about the Lonzo Ball Patrick Beverly duel, uh, yesterday, and DeLon mentioned that he had actually worked out with Beverly, uh, DeLon's an LA guy, uh, a couple times last year, uh, or sorry, during the summer, and uh, yeah. I mean, he didn't. He threw some shade at. at I did that this summer when we were playing pickup. Oh yeah. Didn't work too well
1: for him, but uh, you no. Know, I have seen that coming. Um, with all the
2: hype that ball has. And then he's not a competitor. Is not gonna just let that you know happen. So. And then we asked Alon about his thoughts on Lonzo Ball, and of course, all the hype that's surrounding. The rookie point guard, and this, this is what he had to say about Lonzo.
1: Yeah, they, they, they um, getting real, they're, they're behind him. Uh, you know, he's a, the new face of uh, the Lakers, and, you know, I don't think they had a point guard, like, you know, as supposedly as good as him in a while, with size like Russell, or uh, the end of the Russell, stuff. So.
2: Some shade for Ball as well, he went on to say. I don't see him throwing better passes than me. That's all I got to say. I haven't seen the behind the back or anything from him. So, uh, <laughs> Delon getting fat and sassy a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ball, uh, like uh, a lot of rookies, he's going to have ups and downs this year. Certainly more downs when it comes to matchups against the likes of Beverly. But he responded last night against Phoenix 29 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, a near triple double. Uh, so,
1: well, we we knew this was gonna happen. Like we knew, based on all the things that Lavar Ball was saying before he got <laughs> drafted, and I'll yep. talk that NBA players are gonna go after him just based on the fact that his dad wrote a check that Lonzo will not be able to cash. And it was ironic that of all players, the first game he plays was Pat Beverly, who will always go at you. But I think you know we kind of forgot because something happened, and the vibe is something's different. Younger guys are competing, whatever. This is the NBA where. Grown men are there ready to like let these young guys know, and I think you're going to see it. I have to give credit to Lonzo for his ability to bounce back, mm-hmm. as he did in the summer league, but this is not going to be the last time we're going to see someone go at Lonzo.
3: So, to add to the ego of Lavar Ball, Lonzo joins none other than the Big O in NBA history. According to Elias Sports Bureau, Lonzo Ball is the second player in NBA history with 25 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists in his first career road game. The last person was Oscar Robinson. He did it against the Knicks. So now we've just, you know, they've given more fuel to the LeVar Ball fire. But, I mean, and the thing is, Lonzo's going to have these ups and downs. And he's going to get the best of every single player in the NBA because, Dwayne, as you said, his dad decided to write some checks, and now Lonzo's got to cash them. And he's going to have a tough time cashing them. But if you're going to have to go up against tough guys, why not have your first game against Patrick Beverly, one of the toughest point guard defenders in the league?
2: Yeah, it's not going to get much tougher than that.
3: Really? It will not. It will, though, get interesting tonight as the Raptors will... Welcome in the process as it makes his way to the ACC. They will be without Joel Embiid as the Raptors' coverage begins around 7 p.m. tonight. Keep in mind... We say 7 p.m. It is fast and loose because it depends on how long the Argos Blue Bombers game go. Tip-off, though, will be right here on TSN 1050, set for 7.30 p.m. And coming up at 3.30 on TSN 1050, coverage of the Blue Bombers and the Argos as playoff implications are on the line. Keep it locked as we continue on. The basketball coverage continues on later tonight. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next Saturday. And do remember to protect home court.